Good day, Buenos Noches. Good day, mate. Um, today is my topic. We Justine chose the music topic for last week and let me choose this week. So I naturally decided to talk about something related to people. And so we're going to talk about um, toxic people and getting them out of our way. Um, Also, I think if we are comfortable, we can talk about a time where maybe we were acting toxic and needed to get out of somebody else's way because I think that is a big part of being self-aware and you can't recognize when something needs to get out of the way if you can't recognize when your own self is in the way. So it goes both ways, but I think we'll mostly focus on toxic relationships and um, just to specify or not specify, clarify these relationships are not, they're probably, I don't know, for me, I probably will only talk about one romantic relationship. Most of my toxic relationships have been platonic. Um, so, you know, friendships. Um, so if you're like, oh, can't relate, never been in a relationship, like that's not what we mean by relationship. Yeah. And I also want to be the type A friend here and go over the fact that we said that we had established what is one thing we get, have gotten out of the way of, or would like to get out of our way in the past week of our life. So Tori, what is something that you feel has gotten out of the way you've gotten out of the way of, or needs to get out of the way in your life? I feel like I always just default to like my anxiety, (laughs) but that's a topic in its own. But I think I've needed to get part of my anxiety is very like social in nature. And I'm very nervous about upsetting people. Mm -hmm. And in the past week, I've been very worried that I've just been very sensitive to everything. Like my friends are mad at me. People from college are mad at me. I've been very sensitive to like my roommate and the way she's been like talking with me and every time she's like less than like bubbly I'm like oh she hates me like she's mad like just very like reading into things and so something I've had to get out of the way is I think there's a lot of ego in that it's very like self-centered thinking so I've sort of had to get out of get my own self-centeredness out of the way and also get my own like I can't take on other people's issues and all I can do is be kind and all I can do is do my absolute best and be self-aware but if I'm doing all of those things and I genuinely am aware of myself and I'm not doing anything that I think is anything less than kind it's on other people to tell me if they're frustrated and so yeah like getting getting ego out of the way and, and getting other people's like reading things reading into things out of the way for sure what about you Um, I think mine would be so before we started this podcast a huge issue for me is the noises that my dog makes and obviously like as Tori saw I just like handled one because she loves to sleep all day as soon as I get on a zoom and then she really likes to chew on the noisiest bones which I'm sure you guys can hear in the background and I've decided to not let it bother me because one she's done it and you can barely hear it in the recordings like it's not a huge I can't hear her at all right now exactly like it's just because it's right 
my ear and so I can hear it but also I've learned how to edit those like the background noises out of our podcast but it's me getting out of my own way and that absolute raging frustration it brings me when she is being a perfectly good dog um, but it's just because I'm so anal about the noise quality and the the sound quality of the podcast that I told myself I'm like you know what if she barks we can edit it out if she is chewing it's really not a big deal because you can't hear it on the recording so I need to let it go because she's just being a lovely human dog and yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I say human dog because she's a human she has a full-blown personality and she's great it's this sense that your dog is an extension of you and if she's inconveniencing someone else so are you by default yeah okay so toxic relationships you found this quote on instagram today or this little passage do you want to start with that yeah for sure let me pull it up okay so um this says my pin number to this day is my second grade best friend's birthday which is not true but whatever well I don't like to talk to you anymore whose families are still in my prayers there are shirts I wear to bed from exes of eight years ago who are married now with kids and I haven't found a macaroni salad recipe better than my college boyfriend's mom's our lives are made up of so many people and when people become parts of our lives some parts remain long after they leave and in the same exact way, it's comforting to know there are so many lives you're still a part of that you have no idea about. And I love that so much because Tori and I really do care about a lot of people, even if um, they've hurt us or I don't know, have wronged us. We still really care about their feelings and their families because I think when Tori and I find someone that we love or kind of um, like all in, and we don't, you don't really half-ass a lot of things. And so I feel like that's, it just like spoke with me because I do have boyfriend's shirts that I still wear because I care about them. It's not like, I'm not the type of person who like needs to burn everything that a, you know, a, a boyfriend's given me. Um, my, one of my exes, his mom has like a really good, it's called death by chocolate recipe. And I make it for everyone because it's really good. And like, that's a part of my life. And um, I don't know. I just feel like some of my best friends are, they just have really influenced me. And even though they might've been a toxic person in my life, I think it's fine to get rid of the toxicity, but it's fine to keep the mementos that brought happiness at one point. Yeah. I, you know, this is also an interesting place to start because clearly the way you're speaking shows that you're definitely very healed from whatever wounds like relationships have left. And a lot of people listening to this might not be in the same place. And, and I would even say, you know, for me, like healing is not a wholesale process. There are certain toxic relationships that I, I don't even feel anything when I think about them anymore. Like I'm so indifferent, which I think is the most beautiful place to be. Like, I think there's such this like emotional roller coaster of like, fuck them. I don't care to no, this is really, really good to, oh my God. Like I, I thought this person would always be in my life and now they're not to wait. There are several people that way. Isn't me. Am I the problem? Which I think 
yeah, it's always good to evaluate and and see, you know, things are never really one-sided. Like, I think you can say this was toxic and acknowledge, well, I probably contribute to some of that toxicity. Maybe you didn't, but there's probably been a time or two that you have. And so I don't think it's necessarily bad, but it is a very like overwhelming feeling. Like when I, when I get to the point where I think it is me, I am the cause of all these lost relationships. I feel very much like I'm drowning. Um, But anyways, all these things, to this beautiful moment of I can look back I can remember and I'm not emotional in any way about it I've just accepted it as a fact that no longer affects me in an emotional way which I think is really great but that being said I do think it's important to differentiate two ways a friendship might end or leave and one of them is an intentional choice that we are no longer going to be in each other's lives. And I think that that is usually where toxic relationships end. I think it's usually there is, even if it's not a definitive moment in time, there's a definitive series of events that have led to a conscious choice between one or both people. But then there's these other relationships that sort of, they like fizzle off. And they might have been a little toxic. I think there's a little toxicity in every friendship. It's just a manner or a matter of managing it. But some friends, some relationships, some people are only meant to be in our life for a certain amount of time. They're only meant to come and teach us something. We're only meant to give something to them. They're very, very important. But they might be important for your story, but they might not be at the end of your story. And And that's also to say that if they come into your life for a short amount of time and it's painful, that's okay because it was meant to be that way. I, I think that even if someone really comes in and destroys something there, there's a reason for that as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, yes, I agree. I'm not going to go down that train of thought because I won't articulate it well, but you know, something I want to ask you just in case I think this is an important question to ask. I don't know if we've talked about this. No, we definitely have actually. I think I know your answer, but I'm going to ask for the sake of, for the good of the group. Do you think for you, is it more painful to make the choice to cut someone out or to be cut out because it is toxic? Or is it more painful when there was really nothing crazy toxic or wrong? It's just that the friendship isn't matching where your life is you're not growing together you've lost touch and and now the friendships fizzled out like which one is more painful to you I think it's really hard for me not to have closure in life I think it's it's super difficult for me I'm even if you even if I do have closure with a relationship or with a friendship or something like that it's so hard for me to except I think it's like I played the victim card really hard and um, I acknowledge that and so when we have closure I'm just like but I was so good to them so I don't understand why they don't need me in, in their life and so I, I think without closure it's really hard for me to get rid of toxic people because I want to have 
the final word. I want to have the final say. I want to know how, I want them to know how badly they've hurt me. So if I don't have, which is not a healthy thing, like it is, it would be healthy just to let it extinguish, but I, you know, I'm working on that and I don't, it's really hard for me to get rid of toxic people without closure. Mm -hmm. I am. So if, if I don't care about it, I, I really don't care. But if I do care about it, I need closure and I need them to know how I feel. Yeah. That's interesting. Closure is a very important part of this process. I will say, I think it's harder to let go of people that aren't toxic for me. I think, I think it is less painful to have a blow up to, or, or even if it's peaceful to cut someone out who's toxic, because if I'm making the choice to cut someone out, then it has gotten really bad. And even though I will still be sad, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to recover from, but I don't think it, it shakes me as much. I am someone that I cannot let go. I don't let go. I will demand to keep on to a friendship that hasn't grown in the last eight years simply because I made the choice at some point to be good friends with them. And I like, that's a lifelong commitment for me. And so when friendships just end because one or both of us just don't have the energy to keep in touch and there's just no point in it anymore, we've just grown apart. That really hurts me because I'd almost rather someone be like, you were bad for my life get out and I can like work on not being that way again. I can apologize to them and say, I'm really sorry for this. I hope you like find the joy and peace you deserve. And I can take that with me into other friendships and like not do the same things or, or I can learn to spot the same issues. If it's, you know, if I'm choosing to end it, I can be like, okay, this was really bad for me. Let's not get a friend that does the same things and not tolerate the same things again so that it ends like this. But when it's not toxic, when it's just sort of like we aren't friends anymore, it's like I wasn't, my friendship wasn't worth them fighting for. And that like, that is soul crushing to me, which is weird because I don't think many people, and please like someone comment or email us if you disagree, but I don't think many people would sit here like I am and say, I'd rather be told that I was hurtful than be told that like, oh, we're just like, we don't have the time. We've fallen out of touch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, but it makes sense because it's that closure aspect in high school. Uh, we've known each other since we were really young and I've always had a crush on this person and we had like a fling in high school and never had closure. So there's very weird instances in life where we kind of almost pick at each other to, to get each other's attention. There's never been like a definition. There's never been closure. So it's like this really awkward limbo thing. And I feel like that hurts me more than a breakup with someone I loved for three years which is crazy to me, but there was definite closure there. There was a definition, there was closure, this there wasn't. And so for me, that was really hard. I think friendships hold a hierarchy in my brain. So Mm -hmm. if you didn't care about me enough as a friend, like I don't care about you, but I feel like in romantic relationships, it's a little bit different. Yeah. And, And there absolutely is a difference between familial, platonic, romantic, um, like if Tori, you 
like disappeared out of my life, I would panic. Like I, if we didn't have closure, I would lose my mind because I don't mm-hmm. think of us as a friendship. It's way more than that. So it's like, yeah. like if we were to break up, it would be so crushing, like literally crushing. Yeah. Well, maybe, you know, I haven't thought about the best way to organize this, but now, you know, we've sort of differentiated between you can cut people out or let people go, not because they were toxic, but, you know, there are seasons of life and there are seasons of friendship. But now, you know, we can go hardcore into toxic relationships and stay there for the rest of the podcast now that we've acknowledged this other aspect of ending um maybe the best way to organize this is to go through like the three main groupings of relationships to go through platonic familial romantic and talk about maybe experiences with both how they're different from each other what makes that group unique and the specific difficulties of getting toxic people out of your life in that situation and I'd like to sort of because we chose music or you chose music but I was super super for it as the first episode I thought maybe like I think it's good to have continuity in these episodes and so I pulled up a Taylor Swift song (laughs) shocker um, to start off this discussion about toxic relationships and getting them out of the way and it's from Taylor Swift's song it's time to go which is about leaving toxic people toxic situations all that and there's Mm -hmm. this one verse uh where we all know who she's talking about but I think it's the most direct she's ever spoken on it and she says when the words of a sister come back in whispers the proof she was not in fact what she seemed not a twin from your dreams she's a crook who was caught that old familiar body ache the snaps from the same little breaks in your soul you know when it's time to go and so the whole thing of the song is sometimes giving up is the strong thing sometimes to run is the brave thing sometimes walking out is the one thing that will find you the right thing you know in your soul when it's time to go Mm -hmm. um and so I thought that that was maybe a good starting place for I think that that encapsulates the whole of toxicity like you know when it's it's time to go and um doing it is a really hard thing and it's but it's the strong thing and it's the right thing and it's what will bring you peace so that being said, which group do we want to start with? Um, I think we kind of have different strengths in our toxic life. Um, I feel like you have had a lot more platonic toxic relationships um, because my you have just a lot more friends than I do. And I tend to have a small group of people I let in and I hold on to you guys so dearly. <laughs> and then I have a bit more familial toxic relationships. And then when it comes to relationships, we're even but very different. We are very different. I think that you're much more willing to get your heart broken in a romantic relationship than I am. And I'm much more willing to get my heart broken in a platonic relationship than you are. So I think our, the fact that we cast wider nets in different areas, in different types of relationships is not because one of us prefer, like you're more, Like, I think it speaks to where we're willing to risk emotional harm. And for me, I'm like, I want a ton of friends in my life. 
And I know that the wider I cast my net, the more likely I'm going to have a, a bad apple in the bunch. Um, whereas with romantic relationships, I'm incredibly picky. And after I didn't used to be, but after high school, I was so fed up with what I had allowed myself to go through, um, that I was like, I'm not doing it again till it's right. Like I definitely had crushes in college and I definitely pursued some of them, but I was like, I'm not going to get involved with someone until like, I'm really freaking sure. And then, you know, the next person ended up being my fiance. So, whereas I think you're, you know, and like, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're very much like, I'm not willing to let someone into my circle of people and friends. Um, unless I know that they're in it for the long haul. Yeah. I think it just goes back to the fact that like my hierarchy is my friends. I think I'm sure it'll be different when I find my person, but I just feel like on a Friday night, I'd much rather hang out with my friends than any boyfriend I've ever had. And I've had great boyfriends. I just really, I really love my friends. Yeah. You have had great boyfriends. I mean, you've had shitty ones too, but you, you've had really good ones too. I think, okay, well then let's start with family because it'll probably be the quickest one because Mm -hmm. even though we have very, very different family situations, I think family is important. I think it's important to talk about because my guess is for anybody listening who might have a toxic familial relationship is that those are the hardest to cut out because there's this sense of we're not supposed to give up on our families we're not supposed to cut them out of our lives like blood is thicker than water and we should we should always be a part of those people's lives even when they're not good for us and I really feel for people especially who maybe if the toxic person is someone that lives in their household if it's one of their parents and they're dependent on them you know that's almost just impossible to cut out at least for a certain amount of time I just want to like quickly go over two familial things that I've gone through in my life that I'm going to bring to the table one of them is I actually have a better I want to even say better these days, Um, but growing up, I had a better relationship with my dad than my mom. Um, My mom wasn't, you know, around and which is totally fine, but it did take a lot of growing up to see her struggles and to understand them in order for me to have a healthy relationship with my mom. And I just encourage everyone, um, again, I don't know everyone's situation, but I just feel like something that was super beneficial for me is to make peace with the fact that like, I can't change the past. I can only change moving forward. And I accepted my mom for who she is, my siblings that my mom, you know, my half siblings, and just decided to want them in my life if that's what you choose um but kind of at a distance because there is such there's a toxic level around that side of the family so to keep them at an arm's length but to really love them for who they are and who they grew up to be and I just think um if you can't move on from the past it's kind of what Tori was saying at the beginning like it's just an indifference that you need like you're not, I don't have solid memories of my childhood, which is kind of nice. And I think it's my body's way of kind of protecting me a little bit. And I just find that when you've kind of become indifferent to it, and if you so choose to have relationships with them, just keep them at an indifference 
level the whole time and just, you know, choose to love, like, or accept them. And that's been really helpful for me and my, with my siblings. And then when it comes to my dad, um, we butt heads a lot because we're so similar. And what I've realized as an adult is when you've lived on your own, um, and I've lived on my own since I was 18, I'd say, like I've, you know, moved out of college. I've been separated from my parents since then, my dad and my stepmom. And my dad, like, I've realized we don't know much about each other. My dad doesn't know my likes and my dislikes anymore. We don't have, they're very close, but we don't have, I mean, he doesn't see me coming home with like my new favorite things, or I don't talk about things. I just talk about work. And of course, like work isn't my favorite thing in the world. Um, But he knows who my friends are. But I find that as an adult, it's also a, it's so much more effort to maintain a relationship with your parents, because you get to choose how much you talk to them, how much you see them. And I think I've just realized that like, if I want to have a more healthy relationship with my dad, I have to be like, oh my gosh, dad, I found this really cool garden center that has really great flowers. And I'm so excited to decorate my room because that's something that I like. And, um, or I'm trying to think like, what's something, oh, like um, for Christmas, I asked my dad for like old vinyl records because that's something I've been into with collecting. And that's something that my dad knows that I like now. So if you want to have a relationship with your parents, it takes the extra effort as you get older, because you don't live with them anymore. You don't talk to them as much to say, here are my likes and my dislikes. And this is the person I'm becoming. This is the person that I am. And kind of, you get to kind of choose your, your character traits, like for your parents to see. And I think that's like, you can't just expect them to know who you are anymore because they, you are just a person in their life it's, it's like, it's so hard to swallow that pill, I feel like, yeah. but, but also it's, I don't know, I just had a really enlightening, hard conversation with my dad. And he was just like, I don't know who you are anymore. And he's like, that's okay. You're growing up. You're an adult, but like, you can't expect me to know what you don't, don't like, because I'm not around you anymore. We don't talk, we talk about yeah. the kids and things like that, which was really interesting. Well, that's, that's a really good point. Right. And I, especially true in the parent context, probably true in any friend, any relationship. Yeah. You're, they're not seeing you day in and day out. So, you know, I think one of the biggest contentions between parents and their children, when the children become adults is like, I want you to stop remembering me and treating me as this child, like the child you had, I'm an adult now. And it's like, well, how much of that adult version of yourself are you showing them? Like how much effort are you putting in to make sure that they do actually see you in your adult's life? Like, do you invite them to your place now? Like, do you invite them to go do things that you like to do? Do you call them and tell them about the things that are going on in your life? Because if not, of course, they're going to treat you in the last version that they really, really remember having you in their life as. So that's a good point. You know, for me, I'm very lucky. I I've definitely had ebbs and flows with, you know, my intermediate family relationships. Um, two, <laughs> two elbows, two things that, um, 
So Justine, when she hears or sees ebbs and flows, she immediately thinks elbows. Like she can't read it as ebbs and flows. And so um, she was laughing and pointing to her elbow when I said that just for context. (laughs) So, you know, like I fight with my mom and my dad, like any other kid does. And I, I don't want to say I've ever, I think my sister and I have had one fight and that has come in in our adult life. My sister is, I'm the baby. I'm the youngest of three. My sister is 10 years older than me. And so growing up, we didn't fight like quote unquote sisters do because what would an 18 year old fight with or fight about with an eight-year-old? Like what, what is, what conflict could there be between, you know, it's not like we're stealing, I'm stealing clothes. It's not like we're we're not even at the same level of consciousness like your consciousness really develops when you're like 10 so like straight up we couldn't even really have deep conversations to like get in arguments about but anyways now my sister is my best friend and our relationship has drastically changed and grown since I got to college honestly And I distinctly remember my sister called me for my advice and my opinion on a very like personal issue when I was, I think, a sophomore in college. And I remember hanging up and being like, this is the coolest conversation I've ever had with her. Like I can pinpoint for me, that was when our relationship shifted into more of a friend's paradigm than just like my older sister, because I think I was very jealous of people who would grow up and be like, my sister is my best friend. And I'm like, well, my sister is my, my big sister. And my sister was so careful never to parent me. She never acted like my mom, which I really appreciate. I think that that could have been a source of tension. Um, But she didn't. It's so so interesting though, that you and Kelsey have such a similar relationship to me and Elissa. Yes. Because of, because of the age. Um, my stepmom and I are 12 years apart and you and Kels are 10 years apart. And it's so interesting. Like the dynamic is so similar now. So yeah. And Alyssa, I think also never tried to be your mom. She was aware, you know what I mean? And I think not that my sister and I have been without our difficulties, not that you and Alyssa have been without your difficulties, but imagine the fights that would have happened if Alyssa tried to assume a parent role. Yeah. Wouldn't have been good. Yeah. So that being said, um, you know, my brother and I are a different story. I love my brother. He's the coolest person in my life, like straight up the coolest person. Mm -hmm. And he is seven years older than me. So I had an additional three years with him in the house that I didn't with my sister really. And My brother being, you know, he's a very typical protective older brother. And for that reason, did fall more into the um, parenting trap, I guess. Uh Um, And that definitely caused tension. But also, you know, boys, when they go off to college, don't call home. They just don't. They're so bad about calling home. And they don't call their moms a lot. And the issue is that I was still at home watching, watching how it affected my mom when my brother didn't call home mm-hmm. and how much that hurt her. And that built up a lot of resentment towards my brother. Like, like I just saw my brother as this asshole who didn't care about the best mom ever and how bad really? it hurt her. 
And I like in my, and this is a hundred percent, like was not my place and whatever. I was like, well, I will fix this and I will put my brother in his place, which now that I've been through college, now that I'm 24, um, like I completely understand what was going on in his life that maybe he wasn't able to call home as much. Also, he was at the Air Force Academy, which isn't really conducive to calling home. But I called and I yelled at him and he was very offended and hurt because my brother does very much care about our parents and his relationship with them. But I just, I had a lot of resentment towards him. I felt like he didn't care. I felt like he didn't try hard enough to come home and I always took it really personally and I've, I've since grown up, but you know, that's different. And now all he has kids different. and he calls all the time. Yeah. Well, Erica calls all the time mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm not trying to be stereotypical to gender here, but I do think boys and men, cause he's a man now, I think men are not as great about keeping in touch. Like, and I see mm-hmm. that with like my fiance, Matt, like, and his friends, I talk to Matt's friends more than he does, Mm -hmm. but you know, for them, it's like, well, I'll see you when I see you, or I'll call you when I need you. And it's totally fine. Whereas I'm like, I'm sorry if Justine didn't tell me X, Y, and Z was happening in her life and just left it for the next six months until we saw each other again, I'd be like, am I even your friend anymore? Like, it's just very different. So, but anyways, all this to say, I'm very fortunate that, you know, definitely there are toxic aspects to my relationships with all of my family members, especially my mom, because I think that's who I'm closest to probably. Um, they're not toxic relationships. What I want to talk about with my family, and, and then we need to move on, is extended family and where that comes in, because my family is a very big family first person. Like, if somebody tomorrow is like, the family needs to circle the wagons, like, we will fly out. Like if tomorrow my cousin was like, I need you in Omaha or I need you in Boston or I need you in Florida, like I'd be there. Um, and I'm very fortunate that our family has created that sense of loyalty and dedication. That being said, I think what's really hard for me is, um, toxicity can come not just from people wronging you, but people wronging the people you care about. And I don't think any one of my extended family members has ever been hurtful to me or rude to me or anything less than loving to me, but they have hurt my parents, especially my mom has been very hurt and wounded by some members of my extended family. And, you know, I don't really have much to offer on this topic other than I'm really navigating how to balance that because sometimes I do get angry with my mom when she tells me these things because I'm like you are impacting my relationship with so and so like how do I engage and interact with them without resenting them for this and and so then I get mad at her for like wanting to talk to me about it which isn't necessarily fair Mm -hmm. but then it's also like as the child how do I approach an elder in my family and you know I would say we're somewhat traditional in that we are respectful to the adults in our family. We're honest and we speak truthfully. We don't need to say yes and no, sir. But like, I'm never going to walk up to my, you know, extended family member and be like, why do you treat my mom like shit sometimes? Mm -hmm. 
But at the same yeah. time, I am an adult now. I am 24. And I feel like to some extent, you do have a right to say, cut that shit out. It's like, it's not okay with me. And something my sister and I have been talking about is, and I think we can use this as a transition if you're okay with it. At what point are you allowed to say, I refuse to accept the things that you're doing? And I think especially when you're, you've grown up with a relationship and I experienced this with some relationships I have outside of my family that are um, in other arenas of my life, they're more friends. Um, when your relationship dynamic changes from say someone was your teacher, like your dance teacher, and now you are a full grown adult and you're not their student anymore. And maybe you work with them. Maybe you just have a friendship with them. Maybe they're part of your parents' lives and that's how your relationship is with them now. Do you still have to maintain the same level of respect and deference? Or can you say, I'm tired of these adults that are hurtful and act like children and I've grown up and I have a right to say like what is bothering me I think you should always have the right to be able to speak your mind when it comes to your feelings thoughts and emotions and I think that's I see that in my little sister who's two and she can't express her emotions and it frustrates her and I think I think you should always be able to, but I understand the level of authority. And um, when it comes to like my dance teacher, there was a year in my life where I was really fed up with how I was treated as a student of hers. And excuse me, it came out in me quitting for a year and really taking time off to remember why I loved being there. And it was a really hard conversation because both of our feelings were hurt with due to respect. I re- I disrespected her. She disrespected me. And, um, and I was only 15 at the time, 15, 16. And so I think, I think when I don't, I, that's a really tough question. I, um, I don't know. That's, I really don't know. I think it just, when it starts to affect you, like really your day-to-day, like day-to-day thing, it, I don't know. Like, I feel like with my dad, I'm kind of at this point where I'm an adult. And if he says something hurtful to me, I'm allowed to say like, there's no need to be rude to me. That hurts my feelings. You can't say that to me because it's, it's not necessary. Um, when it comes to a boss, I think it's so important to find a boss that you can have open conversations Mm -hmm. with and just say like, you know, this is disrespectful to me. Um, this is, you know, abusing my time as an employee Mm -hmm. super important I think um it's really always okay to say how you feel as long as you say it in a respectful way I think it's more of how you say it not what you say I agree I think something I learned a lot from when I would speak my mind in high school and early college to now is I can call someone out for their hurtful behavior and what they did was wrong without being unkind And that's something I've been doing a lot lately. Specifically, I've learned that I am much more willing to speak out and call out things when it's hurting someone I care about versus myself. Mm -hmm. And with that, I would like to talk about 
toxic friendships, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I always assumed toxicity looks like yelling. It looks like verbal abuse. It looks like gaslighting. And I think those things are there. But I think toxicity is also a lack of trust, insecurity, comparisons, possessiveness mm. is another one. And jealousy. Uh huh. Yes. And I was accused of being a possessive friend at one point in my life, which was very hurtful to me because I, I saw where it was coming from. And I really, I, because I saw the validity in it, I was so hurt because I felt like they should know me better to know that what they were perceiving as possessiveness should have been perceived as what it was, which was like a lack of affirmation and, and just being really hurt. And so I made the conscious choice in that discussion to push back on that and say, and, and I did it very calmly. I was like, well, let's compare the situation you see now to all of these other situations. Like when have I ever been jealous of any of these other really deep friendships? Like, it's not about this person. It's not about your friendship. It's that, you know, you're telling this person things that you're not telling, like, I'm learning about important things going on in your life by this other person and not from you. I don't care if you tell them first. I care that you tell me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? And, and so they were pretty receptive to that. That being said, she and I are not friends anymore. Um, I think I go off of Tori. I think Tori was the first person who made me realize that I'm a jealous friend. And I didn't know that for a long time. I just thought I was a better friend, I would say. Um, And I still do think that I'm a better friend to a lot of my friends than they are to me, which is totally fine. But I think especially when it comes to Tori, because she does have so many great friendships, I was super jealous of that. But I think it also comes from a place of like, needing words of affirmation needing to know that she's there for me that she cares about me yeah I want to clarify I think that's when you say like oh it's because I have so many great friends and I I I am just like pulling out what you said a little bit more I think you were so used to being the best friend in someone's life and I don't mean like their most important friend necessarily I mean like you were so used to being like their healthiest relationship that quite literally the best friend, like you were excelling at being a friend. Mm -hmm. And when it came to me, like I had a lot of healthy friendships. I had a lot of quality friends and you weren't used to being friends with someone that you weren't like clearly by a mile, the best friend. And so you know, I, I am someone that I genuinely believe I have friends for different reasons. And I, I can like, I'll go to five different people for the same problem, but I'm going to them for different reasons. I'm telling the story or different parts of the story. You know, I have my venting friend. I have my advice friend. I have my, I need someone to like joke about it friend. I have my, someone, I just need them to feel sorry for me friends. And sometimes the same person doesn't even fulfill all those roles depending on what the situation is like mm-hmm. I just think that my friends don't while they're very similar and while they overlap in terms of how much I need them they don't overlap mm-hmm. 
like I keep my friends very separate, but not like I introduce them all to each other. That's like my MO is like bringing people together that I think will like each other. But like in my mind, my friendships don't touch. They're not compared. They're not, you know, like I don't, I don't have a hierarchy. Like there's this Mindy project quote, because in the show, the Mindy show, or the Mindy Project, um, Mindy calling her character calls everyone her best friend, which my sister used to always make fun of me for this. And I pushed back on her with this quote from the show where Mindy goes, best friend isn't a label, it's a tier. Like it's not, it's not a singular person, it's a tier. And I think you and I approach friendship differently in this way. I think you do, you have, like you said, this hierarchy. Whereas I'm like, once you know a certain amount about me once I've let you into certain parts of my life and once I feel like I know you enough you have now entered the tier of best friendom like you've entered this level when you and like you to the Florida house yes you all <laughs> exist on this level when you know what like when you know certain things about my dad's like life and career when you know certain things about like my mental health struggles which I'm like pretty open about, but I don't think I'm as open about them to everyone. When you know, like my sister, when you've met my nieces, like you've entered that tier. Um, so anyways, but I want to go back to the point, like toxicity doesn't always, it's not always obvious. And sometimes what is so healthy and great turns into toxic, not just because like things can straight up turn bad, but also what's healthy for you at one point in your life might be very bad for you. Oh my God. It might be very bad for you at another. And that's what I, you know, Justina's heard me talk about this friendship that I had that has ended so many fucking times. Like she's like, I guarantee you she wants to bang her head against the window right now. And I've conceptualized it so many different ways. I've used metaphors. I've used songs. I've used, like, I've written poetry. Like, I've just, like, done anything I can to, like, wrap my head around the fact that this friendship was over. And it's because for a hot minute, like, I was like, this is my best friend. Like, this is the best friend I've ever had. Like, this person is my everything. This person is my soulmate. Like, I will never be as close to someone as I am to this person. Like it was that level of, I had never felt so understood in my life. And interestingly, this person did sort of come into my life at the same time, like your and I's friendship was waning and not because we weren't like on good terms. We just weren't as present. We were, you know, a country apart. And this person was ride or die for me. Like they got into fights that I was having and like shut other people down. I made this boy cry because of how he treated her in public, I might add. Um, and I wasn't even mean. I was like, I just expected better from you. And he just like started sobbing, um, which is mm-hmm. hilarious to me. I also think it's just so funny that I've never met this person because like it's so hard for me and this is maybe where like the jealousy comes in it's so harder it's so hard for me to believe that there's someone that you could be closer to but I also I think it's just funny that I've never met this person because it's I really do think it was like God being like nope like they they she can't have both it's also interesting because and and I would say my friendship with you 
is not even close. Like, I don't mean even close. Like it, it, it's not the same type of friendship I have with her. Like the, like, I, I can't even explain it. And there were times, there were times that you two could have met, like Gretchen met her. Mm-hmm. Gretchen is one of my um, great friends from high school. She's one of the only people from high school I keep in touch with. And we should absolutely have her on this podcast sometime. Sure. Um, there were opportunities for you to meet and uh, she didn't like you. Like you guys had like talked through FaceTime. She had overheard conversations and she was very skeptical of you. She didn't understand why we were friends. She like, and she was never mean about it. She was like, I just don't see it. Like, that's just not who I pictured being one of your best friends from high school. Like, and mm-hmm. I just remember being like weirdly nervous to introduce you to. And I don't know why, um, because neither of you are unkind. Like I will still say this to this day. She is not an unkind person. She's not a bad person. We just, we were very much needed. We needed each other in, in college and we don't anymore. Um, and the kind of friends we were ended up being really bad for going out into the real world because we really were those kind of friends that I think, I think she sort of turned me and I don't mean she like did this, like the friendship turned me into this person where I only needed her. Like I only needed my one friend and then everyone else was like below her. And I had never been that person. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, in high school, I was not that person. Now I am not that person. I don't do well when I only have one person. And even now with Matt, like my fiance, the love of my life, my life partner, the person whose children I will birth, like the person that I am choosing to love unconditionally to mirror Christ's love. I will still not say he is the only person I need in my life, but I would have said it about her. And I did. And I feel like that just, that just goes to show how unhealthy not balance in life is. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I just think that that's crazy. And you know what, this idea that, I mean, I want to say we would call each other out for stuff. We definitely did. But most of the time it was like, we genuinely believe the other could do no wrong. Like it was like, everyone else is wrong. Like if we were having an issue and like, we just like, I don't think we necessarily helped each other grow. I think we helped each other be our true selves, but not our best selves. And we were possessive in terms of like, oh, no one else is as best of a friend as you. And and I could definitely be that way with her. Like, I'm not saying it was her, but yeah, just, it was, um, it was a great friendship for college. And then she went off to do service over a summer in a foreign country. And then I went to DC for a semester. And when we came back, things were different. We were different. We had grown. Um, and I thought, I think what feels like it was a bigger ending than what it was is I fought and I fought for over a year after college to still be her best friend. Like I didn't want to let go. And I was soul crushed that she could just like let go and like, just like effectively cut me out. Um, a red flag, I will say that was exhibited is that she had done that before she had cut out her best friends like that several times before. Mm -hmm. And I always just defended her and I never realized like your ability to 
cut someone out of your life because of one mistake or two mistakes is like kind of a red flag for what you're willing to work through. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. If that's the way she needs to function, that's fine. But I'm not someone that way. I will fight through anything. As, As long as the other person is fighting for it with me, I don't care if they're fighting against me. If they're fighting, I, we will make it through. And that's why, like, that's a big difference between like my friendship with her and my friendship with you is like, I genuinely think I could be the biggest bitch to you. And like, as long as you're still like, you will fight me on it and I will feel terrible, but we will get through it because you'll fight. And I feel like I always, I know that. And so I always use that as affirmation when we are in fights, um, we'll go, Tori will say something along the lines of like I just want us to be okay and I will no matter how angry I am with Tori and that second I will always say we will always be okay like and then I will continue to be belligerent but like about I don't know about something stupid but that's not the right word choice I don't know why I said that like I will continue just to like go off yeah about something stupid So that leads us to your shining moment. (laughs) I don't know why I'm calling it that. Also, can you hear me okay? I just took my headphones out because I have to charge my phone. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to go back and say belligerent was the correct word. I just had to um, (laughs) to, um, go back and see the definition of it again. It was the right word. It's just extremely aggressive behavior. (laughs) Yes. that being said, I think it's your time to get us talking, unless you have any other things you want to talk about friendships. No, I actually, so someone's aunt reached out to me today, and I was going to tell Tori about this after the podcast, but I think she'll pick up on enough context clues to know who this is about, and she'll get the full story. Someone's aunt reached out to me and asked, like, are you still on track to be in a relationship with my nephew because it's been 10 years in the making and his aunt has been very invested in our relationship and I was like honestly we're not on speaking terms right now I don't know that I could ever let him back in which is really really difficult for me um we've have we've been friends for nearly 10 years and had an on oft very very toxic relationship I was actually thinking about him um if you're on TikTok right now everything is Harry Styles concert related and there was a question about like should I text him and he was like if he's playing games with you trash 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 and I was like that's been our whole relationship we've had communications through really healthy relationships that we've both been in there's always this kind of like force pulling us back together and a couple months ago I had to sit down and over talk with all of my friends about this person and just say like he's not beneficial for me whatsoever our friendship isn't even beneficial cut him out and I've been actually really proud of myself that that is kind of how I've stayed and because it's been so back and forth it's been really easy for me to feel super indifferent about the situation I keep we keep using this phrase and of course like I forgot they existed by Taylor Swift keeps coming into my head it's like it's not love it's not hate it's just indifference and I feel like I feel really safe in that space 
and I feel a lot healthier in that space. And um, I feel just like, I don't know, I'm in a really great headspace for the most part right now. And I feel like with toxic relationships, um, my roommate is really, she's a lot better at cutting people out who have served her a purpose and who are done and she kind of gets rid of them. I'm not good at that at all. Um, I just want, I think maybe it comes from like a place of I just like being liked, but I think it more comes from a loyalty perspective. I was once loyal to you and I can't just drop that. Um, yes. Because these people haven't done things wrong. Cause it's very much, if you are disloyal to me, then it's over. But I think none of these people have been super disloyal to me and that really hurts. So yeah, end of soapbox. Do you want to talk about, you know, I talked about a friendship that was really healthy and, and it turned toxic due to a lot of reasons. Do you want to talk about, um, and I'm thinking of something in particular, so I, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. If you don't want to talk about it, you don't have to. Do you want to talk about your what I would say was a, it was a very long-term, healthy, mature relationship that ended up like not being right. Yeah, sure. Um, in college, I met someone who I didn't like at first. I was very much in this. I want to just find a really close friend as I always put that first in life, but I was just in a really good place. And I met someone in college and our relationship was like, wasn't love at first sight because I definitely didn't love him at first sight but it it was really fast and the honeymoon stage was really intense and it was a really great relationship we learned a lot from each other it was super healthy um we had a really great balance of friendship and like friendship meaning I got to spend time with my friends he spent time with his friends we made time for each other we spoiled each other, we took care of each other, we loved each other equally. It was a very equally balanced relationship. We definitely, we were dating for three years. We definitely made plans for a future together to get married, to have children. What did we want that to look like? I really, um, I, I thought you were gonna get married. Yeah, I'll, I'll, almost everyone in my life thought he was my person. And I think it turned into, I mean, just a lot of things. My mental health was severely declining towards the end of college. And he got the brunt of that and didn't know how to deal with it, which I think is fine. But I think it just comes from the fact that our lives were a lot different. He is, he's never really dealt with mental health and I didn't know how to handle it. A lot of um, like, outside circumstances were played into that relationship which really sucked like looking back on it I wish I could have handled things better I just didn't know how to so I can't I can't let that really get me down but I think a lot of like selfish behavior went into that to the ending of that relationship so I I don't know I think communication is something that people often talk about is super important but I think comprehension is even more important and I yes. feel like we had great communication skills. We didn't know how to comprehend each other very well. And so I think yes. between not having comprehension, selfish behavior, and mental health, it just came into a really volcanic breakup. And I took, what, three years to process this whole relationship? Yeah. 
Yeah. Which makes sense. It's how long it lasted. Yeah. And it, I mean, it took, I didn't process it at all for the first year. And Tori watched that, I think, destroy my mental health by not processing yeah. that. I just didn't, I didn't deal with it. And then when COVID hit, I was kind of forced to process with it. And it took a therapy session a week. It took journaling. It took time by myself to really be healthy. But I think, again, I still played the card of like, this was all me. It was all in my head. I keep quoting Taylor Swift lyrics, but it was all me. It was in, it was all in my head and like all of the bad stuff. And I'm the one who gave up. So I'm the one who needs to like really try to mend it when it didn't need to be mended. It just needed to happen and to feel moved on. Yeah. And it's so, and it's so exciting now to be in a place where I'm like, it isn't love. It isn't hate. It's just indifference. Like it's, I, I don't care. I don't think I would care if I saw him with someone else. I don't think I would care if I saw him in public again. Like I love parts of him, but I, I'm just very indifferent about the whole situation. And it's so exciting to finally feel this way, honestly. Yeah. I, I mean, it took me very long to also get over my, it, you know I'm I'm just now realizing the parallels between my friend and your relationship I never met him yeah in person I met him through FaceTime but I never met him and he also came into your life and the height of his importance was my was during the same time as my absence Mm -hmm. which is also the same and you know I always I'm not going to lie. I remember thinking every time I see people that have been in a really long-term relationship, like more than two years, I I think more than two years is a long time. Cause at that point you've probably taken a trip together. You've probably dealt with some sort of big thing together. Like I think quality of time together is more important than quantity. I think people can be together for five years But if those five years are relatively easy and you don't make the most of them and you don't dive in, then it doesn't matter. Um, And that's something I've really come to because I feel like Matt and I have lived through a lot more than a lot of people have. We've lived through a lot of adjustments. We've lived through a lot of health stuff. Yeah, like we've just lived through a lot. But before I came to that realization, I thought that time for romantic relationships was what was important because here you were in this three-year relationship and my longest relationship in high school was six months, like, Mm -hmm. which is long for high school standards, but I had never even had that. And so I remember Matt and I got engaged like two years and four months in. We had not even been dating for three years when we got engaged. And I didn't have any doubts. Like I definitely had relationship anxiety, which manifested as this sickening gut feeling. And I love to talk about relationship anxiety and the things I've learned because that's been a recent development in my life um, about like how relationship anxiety causes you to act out. It causes you to treat these feelings as intuition. It causes... um, And something I've learned is how to differentiate it is when it's anxiety, you feel the need to act right now. You feel the need to like make a decision and a solution right now. And when it's intuition, it's a very like 
this is what the choice needs to me. I'm going to like plan this out. I'm, I'm going to deal with the consequences, whatever. And I feel like every time I've panicked, talked to you, it's always been like, I need to do something about this. But anyways, when I see couples who were together for like five years, break up, it like slightly panics me. Cause I'm like, well, they have a couple of years on Matt and I. And so like, I remember thinking, cause Matt and I weren't engaged obviously at the time, but we had started dating at the time that you and your relationship broke up. I was like, oh, we're fucked. Cause like, I thought that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the relationships that are meant to stay will withstand the test of transitions. Like you're an ice friendship. Whereas that relationship was not holding well in a time of like change. Mm-hmm. Like the more change that happened, I feel like, and, and not just in like job and life and school and location, but like change in your mental health, like it couldn't hold on during that. And I'm not saying that like, there wasn't, you know, there weren't things that could be done differently, but like, I think that if it was meant to be, if it was the one for you, you guys would have navigated that. Mm-hmm. Cause like I have Matt and I have navigated eating disorders and stuff. And like you and I have navigated it. Like our friendship has definitely felt the brunt of both of our mental health issues. Yeah. And I think that's why at the end of the day, I find comfort in that because if you and I can withstand really hard arguments, really tough life changes, mental health issues, there has to be someone in a romantic partner that can do the same for me. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm so excited and hopeful for you to find your person. And I feel like I'll know because I will know them better. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know. You're definitely the best friend anybody can have. So like whoever you find is really lucky. Thank you. Whoever you choose to bless with your lifelong commitment. (laughs) Whoever I choose to be Wookiee's father is a big decision, honestly. All right, Justine, you pick the next. We'll just, we'll keep doing this. We'll trade off and on. What is our next week's topic going to be? I think a really good topic would be eating disorders. Yes. Okay, so next week, Tori and I will be sitting down talking about food in general, toxic food, how to sustain a healthier lifestyle, but also eating disorders because Tori and I have gone through them both. Very different, but you know, we've worked through it together. So stick around. We'll be back next week. Bye, everyone.